Some of the Dutch are calling it dark clouds of change on the horizon in Holland. Let's link up our studio right now with Radio Netherlands in Hilversum and check in with Jonathan Grobert. He hosts The State We're In. It's a weekly international news program that reports on how we treat each other all around the world. It airs on more than 70 public radio outlets here in the United States. Jonathan has a particularly informed perspective on the enterprising Dutch society since he moved there from New York 20 years ago to be a journalist. He met his wife there, and today they're raising two children in Amsterdam. Jonathan, thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure, sir. Jonathan, when you are in the Netherlands welcoming guests from the United States, they've got sort of an agenda of things to see, all the famous museums and so on, but there's a lot of ways you can do cultural sightseeing and kind of know what's on the mind of the Dutch people and you know feel the pulse of their culture. What's something that uh, you'd recommend they see or do? Well, you know, there's, the Dutch have an expression, and that is God made the world, but the Dutch made Holland. And that is actually not apocryphal. It's 100% true because something like 45% of this country is under sea level. It's been reclaimed from the North Sea. They call it poldering. That basically just means like drying out wetlands and turning them into dry land. But most of this is still under sea level. So that also means you have this incredible extensive diking system all along the coasts. So what I do to make sure that people get a sense of that, because this is really very special. I don't, I've never been anywhere where they do anything like this. And it makes the Dutch landscape completely unique. And some say it's beautiful. Some say it's weird is I take them out to a place called Marken, which used to be an island and now it's connected to the mainland by a causeway. And the great thing about Marken is not just the fact that it's a fantastic little town that looks the way it did 200 years ago. It hasn't changed at all. But the fact that to get to it, you actually have to ride on top of a dike. And as a result of that, you actually get to see how high the sea is to the right of you versus how low the land is to the left of you. And then you begin to understand a little bit about Dutch character and Dutch culture because the Dutch are pretty tenacious. They can be a little bit grumpy. They can be a little bit harsh. But that's because the landscape really did make them that way. You know, this is a a nation that simply had to fight every single inch or every centimeter, as I would say, for, for their very existence. And the fact of the matter is, is if they don't keep this system of dikes dry if they don't raise them a little bit each year, if they don't fix them all the time, if they don't fix all the the canals, if they don't fix all the sluicing, if they don't make sure that the sea stays out, they are quite literally sunk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So if people talk about global warming, for example, and the fact that the sea levels are going to rise, well, this is, of course, incredibly concerning to the entire Dutch nation, which is afraid that it will drown. But the fact of the matter is there probably is no country on earth more willing and more capable of addressing this kind of thing like the Netherlands because they've been doing it for centuries. They've really got this thing worked out at this particular point, and they are willing to throw a lot of money at it, even if very few people live there, just to keep it dry. This would be a huge investment. I understand they're actually raising the dikes around the entire country. Is there any discussion about how worthwhile this investment is? Do some people not see the global warming contributing to the rising of the sea? Or what, what do the Dutch people think about this? It's a non-issue. You have to spend the money, that's it. Conservatives, liberals, everybody in the Netherlands just accepts it. Everybody agrees. You have to spend money on this. You, you just have to, because for them, it's a truly existential fact of life. Right. If they don't keep the sea out, their way of life is gone. And so there's no discussion whatsoever. 
And within those dikes, you've got a very diverse and densely populated country. And for centuries, the Dutch have been famous for their tolerance. How are they doing today with um, minorities, gay rights? Well, you know, I mean, Dutch society is going through tremendous amounts of changes. The government that you have in office right now is pretty intolerant towards minorities at this moment. They're reducing the amount of immigration that can come into this country greatly. And if you come from a non-Western society then they're going to create tremendous demands on on you even coming to the country. They even demand that you learn to speak some Dutch before you even come to the country and give you a test on the telephone before you come over. I can't think of another country that's doing something like that. In terms of gay rights, that's that's really interesting because the Netherlands and, and Amsterdam in particular has for quite a long time prided itself, that is not a coincidence, me using that word, prided itself on being the gay capital of Europe. And to that effect, there have been really a lot of gay rights in the Netherlands for far longer than in most other European countries and certainly most countries around the world. You see quite often gay men and women walking down the street holding hands and kissing, but there there is a problem at the moment, and that is the fact that there's been a large increase in gay bashing. It's uh, very much on the increase, and you see that young North African males who wander through the city, who actually go out actively looking to find gay men and gay women who are displaying openly homosexual behavior and then beating them up. I mean, that's exactly what's happening. And you have other situations where you have, you know, openly gay men and women who are living in housing projects throughout the country who then find themselves literally being chased out of their homes. There was a very famous incident of this in Rotterdam that just happened recently and the government is investigating And so there's a lot of fear, once again, amongst the uh, Dutch gay community that things are going backwards and that they have to work really hard in order to maintain their status. And right now, if you asked a lot of gay people if Amsterdam were, in fact, the gay capital of Europe, they'd say, you know, we're not so sure anymore. I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. We're talking with Jonathan Gruber, and our phone number is 877-333-7425. Gary's on the line in Rochester Hills, Michigan. Gary, thanks for your call. You're welcome, Jonathan. Nice to talk to you. I had a question about the change that I hear is coming in the coffee house uh, scene in Amsterdam. I started about 20 years going uh, every year over to Europe and get Amsterdam every two or three years, and while not really participating in it, I wondered whether that change that's coming uh, might affect tourism, in your opinion. And for some people who don't know the coffee house culture, that's the whole idea that the Dutch sell marijuana Uh, basically legally in little shops like pubs called coffee houses. Well, Gary, this is definitely going to affect a certain kind of tourist that comes to the Netherlands. And you're right, they are going to change the system, what the government wants to do and absolutely intends to do and is very likely going to do is make it so that tourists who do not come from the neighboring countries of Germany or Belgium can no longer buy small amounts of marijuana or hashish in the coffee shops. It's basically meant for locals. They're going to create a membership system and you get a card and then you can go to the coffee shop and you can go and buy that. And the idea is the government wants to discourage people who are coming from, say, France or anywhere else in the world who are simply coming to the Netherlands to buy marijuana to stop that. And the reason that they're giving that they want to stop it is because they don't like the image and it creates a certain level of petty crime wherever they go and problems of people, say, driving up four hours from France, going to one of the border towns in the Netherlands, and then creating a lot of trouble at the coffee shops where they are, in fact, buying their weed and their hash. Does that answer your question, man? Yes, it does. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Gary, for your call. So they 
they're letting Germans and Belgians come in and buy marijuana as if they were locals. Right. But I would think that's the main problem, is people from nearby were just crossing the border to stock up and then go home. And, and that was why border towns like Maastricht were having the big concerns about this. It is very confusing to me as well. You'd think that they would simply make it uh, very, very local, but that's not the case. So they're letting Germans and Belgians. Yeah. This change in the coffee shop, I mean, for the last 25 years in the Netherlands, you know, a joint's been about as exciting as a can of beer. Suddenly there is this rollback on, um, you know, this easygoing approach to marijuana. Who's behind this? Is this from the Dutch people or is it pressure from the EU or United States or, or what's your take on that? As far as I can tell, the pressure from the United States has had no influence whatsoever on this particular policy. There has been pressure, particularly from the French government on the Dutch government, for a long, long time about this because the, the French are, in fact, much, much stricter with regard to their soft drug laws. That's what hashish and marijuana are called in the Netherlands, soft drugs, as opposed to, say, hard drugs like cocaine or heroin. And by the way, it was never actually legal here. It was always illegal. What they had was a policy of tolerance. And the reason why you would want to do something like that was it gave the government the freedom to change their policy at whim without actually having to change a law. And it probably also took just a lot of the violence and the crime and the money out of it. Well, you know, there is a lot of evidence to say that the Dutch soft drug policy has, in fact, been very, very successful. But it's also... It's been kind of schizophrenic because while it was and will continue to be for certainly for local Dutch people legal to buy small amounts of the marijuana and hash and it's been legal to sell small amounts of marijuana and hash. It was not legal to grow it. So (laughs) what you ended up having was giant plantations in people's basements and in their attics throughout the city. And you from time to time you hear about how the police, you know, would catch these people and dismantle them. So you still had, you know, a certain level of crime going on. So it's, it's a very complex policy. It, it always kind of worked, but never completely. And so this is why you see Dutch society struggling with a manner to get this right. That's what the Dutch called the gray area, I think. They just knew they didn't deal with the backside of it. How are they going to wholesale it and produce it? And uh, they sort of just looked the other way. Guys that I know who run coffee shops have told me that it's easier now to just grow it locally than to import it. And they've got the technology to grow all sorts of different strains and so on. So they get their Moroccan and their Pakistani and whatever, all homegrown. And uh, it's quasi, it's not quasi-legal, it's sort of... Uh, it's, it's illegal. Right. Anything more than five plants is illegal. Yeah, but somebody's growing it and providing oh, yeah. these, these coffee shops. And uh, the Dutch haven't figured that out. And that's the challenge with trying to deal with marijuana is how do you let it be a business without having big billboards? You're raising two kids in the Netherlands. What's your take on that? Is there a lot of pressure for kids to, you know, get into marijuana? Or do you think that this sort of uh, coffee shop approach makes more sense from a, a parenting point of view than having marijuana just illegal and out on the streets? Well, you know, pot use in the Netherlands is far lower than in the United States. That's clear. So in that sense, the policy is a success. Hmm. And uh, there was a lot of heroin abuse in this country, but that seems to have gone away. So really the pressure to use drugs in this country is nothing like it was, like I experienced growing up in the United States. I I remember that it was basically everywhere. may as well have been legal because everybody could get it and everybody frankly had it. When I say everybody, I'm exaggerating, but you get the point. I get the point. And whereas in the Netherlands, you hardly ever see it. Really, you hardly ever see it. And And the only time that it comes around where it becomes visible in the society has to do with dance culture and the use of ecstasy and a, a lot of new artificial drugs that are coming in that have to do with that kind of thing. 
that's the only place where drug use is visible in Dutch society. But for the most part, the level of problems which you have in the United States with drug abuse are far, far lower here. So if you're going to compare policies, if you're going to put American policy alongside Dutch policy and you're going to say which is the one that's working better for the society, the clear winner is the Netherlands. Having said that, they're still struggling with fine-tuning this policy. You know, if you're going to compare, if you want to, if you must compare American society to Dutch society, and you want to say, is there a red state, blue state situation in the Netherlands? You know, within a Dutch context, I would have to broadly answer, yes, there is. The, The country is in flux. There's a lot of fear about Dutch society staying Dutch in many ways. The Dutch are in love with the ideal of being tolerant. And in order to preserve it, in order to preserve freedoms for uh, homosexuals, in order to preserve women's rights, in order to preserve the richness that the society has, in order to preserve this very special, very satisfied society that they have built up, they have become, in many ways, very intolerant. In other words, with regard to immigrants, who many people here regard as a threat to all that they have built up and have come to love and have come to expect out of Dutch society. They have become very intolerant towards the one million Muslim immigrants who live in this country. I'm speaking very broadly. This absolutely isn't the case for everybody, but it is the environment in which we find ourselves right now under this, the most right-wing government in the post-war history of the Netherlands. So what does that mean then basically for the American tourist who goes to Amsterdam and wants to drop into a coffee shop and smoke some pot? Well, if you want to go into a coffee shop and you want to smoke some pot, I would go do that soon. Because sometime in the course of next year, that's not going to be possible anymore. Unless you can find some way to become part of a what are now going to be clubs and you're going to have to have a club membership card. It's just not going to be possible to buy pot in the Netherlands anymore as an American tourist. Jonathan Gruber. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Rick's weekly one-hour radio program, Travel with Rick Steves, airs in more than 130 cities across the country. Help yourself to free podcasts of past shows and Rick's audio tours of Europe's greatest sites in the radio section of our website. For the latest on Rick's radio and TV work, his guidebooks and his European tours with small groups, visit ricksteves.com.